KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us and hope you can spend some time with us as we talk football with you. Coming up on uh, the BMW of Des Moines guest list today, Dylan Montz will lead things off at 1025. He covers Iowa State for the Ames Tribune. We'll take a look back and a look ahead to this coming week as the a Big 12 conference schedule gets underway for Iowa State. They will hit the Waco to take on the Baylor Bears. Dylan Montz, 1025. Speaking of Bears, Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog will help Trent and I preview uh, the Bears and Washington. Washington, I should say. You've got to remember where I'm at. Yes. Um, as the Bears try to hold serve in the NFL's deepest conference, perhaps. Uh, Bears blog at 1045. Bama Bob Trent and I around college football at 11. And then Scott Darkerman. You listed him at 1120. I think it's going to be a tad later. But yeah, it might be. We'll get Doc in here before we uh, run out of show. We'll go. We'll do a lot on the uh, the Big Ten as a whole with Doc as the uh, Hawkeyes coming off a bye week. What an amazing weekend of football starting on Friday night with uh, a team that couldn't lose getting beat in Utah. Is that wrong? That was a lock. That was a lock. Best bet of the week. There's no way they're getting picked off by a team that struggled to, anyways, uh, that got beat by BYU. Uh, but wrong I was. Uh, but it's not about me. It's about uh, what we saw this weekend, and it was incredible. There's so much ground to cover from Michigan looking as bad as they did from a fun weekend yesterday in the end, our fun Sunday in the NFL. Uh, how are you? I'm doing Catching well. Catching your breath. Catching my breath a little bit. It was a late night last night. My wife uh, had to hit an ER trip last night. She's okay. No, no big deal there. But so it turned into a late night. And then, of course, as soon as you get home, little guy doesn't want to sleep. So we're working on some energy drink this morning, getting us pepped up. But we got football to talk about, and it's easy to talk about it when you have a weekend like this. This is the reason that we go through May is. and June yep. and July is to get to a weekend like we just had Saturday all day long, starting with Iowa State that Michigan. Wisconsin game going on at the same time, bouncing back and forth and that. You know, the 11 o'clock window, remember I said, I think it was Thursday, you know, if you have a honeydew list, do it in the middle of the day yeah. because the early was so good. It was. Early turned out terrible. Well, the games weren't good, but to begin with, I mean, your point was well taken. Yeah. Yeah, the the uh, the Wisconsin-Michigan game, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. You know, and you mentioned those months that um, it's not a struggle because we both love baseball, mm-hmm. but the, one of the things that gets us through those months is the, is the Cubs. Yes. And Trent, we have to find some time to talk about this team because you know what? The, this team that, uh, uh, that everybody fell in love with, this lovable loser team that, uh, that shed that moniker in 2016. You don't have to look too many years later. This thing is about to implode on the north side of Chicago. There's going to be not only the manager, um, getting his mail in a different city, but there's going to be some main pieces of that team. They're going to do something. I think that uh, the reverberations on the north side of Chicago are going to be felt throughout baseball as they got swept by the Cardinals, who are plain and simple, a better baseball team. Six consecutive losses, the last five of them, one run swept in four straight one-run games. It, I mean, it reminds you of, what was it, Legion of Doom when they, they reach in and pull the guy's heart out and show it to him as he's dying? That's what it felt like for Cubs fans this weekend. Mm. The Cardinals going in there, 
do it in, in Wrigley and just in the fashion and every single time. Blown leads in the ninth inning. Comebacks that will go awry on and on and on. It was the Cardinals showing, A, they're a better team and, and taking away. Big picture. Uh, you're right. Madden's gone. Mm-hmm. What else big is going to happen? I, I think I think that everybody is available. I think, well, not Baez. But they're, they're open for business. I think they're, that's a good way to put it. They're open for business. From anybody in that rotation, I mean, I don't know. You're not, Cal Hamels is going to get another contract. No. I don't think you'd move you, Darvish. You, and here's the, here's the other thing. And We're, I still don't know if you can. Even as good as he is still with that contract. Based on and what six, happened based on the front on, of it. Yeah, the three months that we've, now the three months that we've seen have been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, where would they be without Cassianos? I mean, yes. this is the best pickup at the trade deadline, and it hasn't helped. Did you see Castellanos, the picture of him after the game? It was 10 minutes. I did not see it. After the game yesterday. Dejected. And it was a shot of him. Must have been from right back behind. And he was just looking out onto the field. Uh, and the little entrance, you know, the, the steps uh-huh. that go up there. And he was just sitting there. And the picture said it was 10 minutes after the game. Wow. Everyone was already back in the locker room. And he was just sitting there looking out. Well, because, he's a free agent. Yeah, he might be out of here. That might be his final game in Wrigley. I can't. I hope that's not the case. But uh, we shall see. Right, let's talk some college football. The only one of the uh, the two locals. Of course, the Hawks were off. Iowa State played. Boy, did they ever play. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know what my biggest takeaway of it is, other than the fact I know that the fan base wants to see Real Mitchell, and why yeah. wouldn't you after what you saw late in that football game? My God. I mean, what a coming out party. Trent was unbelievable. But here's the thing. How can you play him? He's right. the backup quarterback. It's a contact sport. And no offense to John Kohler, um, but you don't want to go to John Kohler if indeed... You know, Real Mitchell gets some fluky injury, and Brock Purdy. We know he's, you know, he's he's uh, a guy that's going to take some chances with that ball, and he's going to take some shots. I don't, it's kind of a rock and a hard places because you want to see him on the field, or do you? Be careful here. This is what I would say. We have seen this too many times in the past with Iowa State football. Is all of a sudden. People start to become enamored with the backup, with the second guy, with the next guy. Now, I'm not saying he should start in place of Brock Purdy. But this can cause issues, derisiveness. And I understand. Real Mitchell, he's looking right now, and he's looking to be a backup for another two years after this year before maybe getting a shot in his senior year. That's going to be difficult, and you want to keep that guy happy because if you don't, mm-hmm. and maybe transfers back home. Maybe he's at UCLA mm-hmm. on Chip Kelly's offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. So that's... I understand that part of it. You have an excellent quarterback in Brock Purdy. Yeah. Don't get so enamored here that you're pushing this guy away, that you're causing problems, that because that can happen at the quarterback position. We've had we've seen it too many times before, and we've seen Iowa State's fan base do this too many times in the past. I understand. He is the shiny object. He's a lot of fun. He's incredibly fast. Can you make a read? Can he get through a second, third, fourth progression? Well, he's only thrown two passes. Right. And that's what it is. He's really fast. Yeah, he's really fast. He's really fast. And if we're talking about a package and getting him involved that way, okay. But do you want to, though? Do you risk it? Because, again, John Kohler's after him. I don't know what. John Kohler didn't play at Oklahoma State. Now, neither did Sanders. <laughs> Spencer Sanders last year. Holy crap. That was that was his eye-opening. Okay, maybe not. Michigan would be the eye-opener for the weekend, I think. Yeah. But watching Sanders for Oklahoma State, and they're finally playing a team with a pulse. Mm-hmm. Trent, this kid's a, this kid's a beast. Well, there's a reason he was one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Right, out of the state of Texas, where, oh, by the way, they have a bunch of quarterbacks. And I'm still baffled how he got it. How, Oklahoma State's a nice program, and I, I guess depth chart makes sense, those kind of things. But still, going to play for Gundy. Okay, now I guess I do understand it a little bit more, but still, he's really good. Oh, my God. Oklahoma State's got a dude there. 
They got to fix that defense, though. Yeah. Well, were, that, that was going to be the there problem. There were portions in. of that game where it just. All it was right, a they, fun football game. They get a stop here. And couldn't get a stop. So what did you end up? Because Saturday night, it was. Yeah. I was just in my absolute glory Saturday night. I was. I probably, <laughs> of the three, the Notre Dame Georgia finished third as to how much I saw of it. Just yeah. because you have to watch the other two for what we do, the Big 12 game. Of course, the Big 12 being the conference it is, and thank God it is, because I love seeing every team every single year, and we get to. And then once the winter comes, we get the home and home. I hope they never expand. Sadly, I believe they're going to because it's just perfect. But watching Oklahoma State and Texas was an enjoyable, incredibly enjoyable watch. And so was Illinois-Nebraska. It was, yes. It was, I mean, and, and look, the Big Ten Network had their A-team there. Mm-hmm. I'm a Matt Millen fan. I'm a big Matt Millen fan of the story uh, that he's getting this opportunity when it looked as though he was on death's doorstep, and he was. Uh, but what a great Saturday night, Trent. Guess that defense isn't quite fixed for Nebraska yet either. No, and you, you, we learned that very early in the football game as Corbin went how many yards in like the second play of the game. I mean, on 60, 70, whatever it was, he just took off. Give Nebraska credit for, for what, finding a way to win, I guess, but it's Illinois. Brandon Peters stinks. He's not that. Well, I, I never understood yeah. the reason that he, why he went there with what they were doing. And I understand they needed somebody that could throw the football better. They had athletes back there trying to play quarterback, mm-hmm. and it wasn't working. They could run the ball, but they could never throw the football effectively. I, I understand that, but for what they were doing, the way they can run the football, Brandon Peters is your quarterback. Yeah. I just I can't wrap my mind around it because mm-hmm. Illinois, it does feel like is is making progression. No, they well, are. If they get to five and seven this year, another four and eight, whatever it is, does that keep? Does Lovey Lovey get job? another year? Because it feels like they're making steps forward. Now this would have been a huge one, and uh, on our TV show, I told you to grab the money line here. Just missed on that one with <laughs> Illinois at four to one money. But what TV show is that? By the way, where, where can I oh, see? Oh yes, that? you can see that on Mediacom MC twenty uh-huh. two. It's called Inside the Numbers. Find that on your guide. You know what you should do? Just go in there. Go to your guide on Mediacom. Just hit record and then record series. And then every week you will never miss Inside the Numbers and me giving you terrible gambling advice. Almost got one, though, with the Illini. Yeah, they, they, they played well. It was a fun day. It was a fun day. So back to Iowa State. Uh, again, my, my takeaway from the complete dismantling of Louisiana Monroe, I think is probably... Now, you know what it is? I'm going to go a little bit further. Uh, Iowa State's got a whole bunch of running backs, and it was great to see Jarrell Brock get his opportunity mm-hmm. because he hadn't. And Trent, you can tell why they're excited about this kid. Uh, they're, I think, more excited about Brees Hall because he was the first one to get that opportunity. But they've got a whole bunch of guys that can tote the mail. Jarrell Brock and Brees Hall, two true freshmen, Nwangu, they have to find a way for him to play. I'm concerned about Eisworth. I know after the football game, Campbell kind of threw cold water on that, uh, but he clearly hurt his shoulder. He came off the field. The television cameras picked up on it. Nobody in the press box did because they weren't tweeting about it. Uh, but he clearly hurt his shoulder. I hope it was a singer because they're going to need him as the Big 12 gets here. Um, Tariq Milton is an incredible threat. So is LaMichael Petway. Who, by the way, yes, here's a prediction. Okay. And I don't know if you'll have time to watch Monday Night Countdown tonight. But you got mossed? Yes. If, if Petway, LaMichael Petway isn't a big part of you got mossed, then they're doing something wrong because that reception of his in front of the Cyclones bench <laughs> was a perfect example. 
and of You Got Mossed. I will be stunned, and somebody's not doing their homework if that one gets by them because that was, because they got a great angle of it. In fact, I took a picture of it. I almost tweeted it, and I thought, come on, you're 60 years old. You don't be doing that. <laughs> we, we don't get paid by how many hits on our Twitter account. Or right. we don't, we're not held to, uh, you, need to do, you need to tweet every single day. But it was... Oh, we got you got Moss moment. We'll see if it shows up tonight. They got some skill guys, Trent. They do. They do. Now, does this change your perception after what we talked about last no, week? No, Oklahoma State changes my perception of the Big 12. That does. TCU? Don't have a quarterback. Don't have a quarterback. Kansas State will see I this I want to see, yes. This is still an 8-4 and four football team. Has that changed? We both said before the year it felt like an 8-4 and four yes. team. You took the over because we didn't want to be boring and right, just say 8-4. Kiss four. my sister. I right. went the other way. I went 7-5. and five, and but, I wish I would have gone your way. But we both agree at that point that this was an 8-4 and four football team. Well, Is it still an 8-4 and four football team? Do we, do we have a minute? Left? We do. Okay, so Baylor, Baylor at Baylor this week. I think this is a tough football game. I had this a loss as a loss. I had this as their first loss of the year. Okay. TCU is going to be tough, but they don't have a quarterback. And it's at home. And it's at home. At West Virginia, West Virginia's not very good. At Texas Tech. It's a road game, though. It's a road game, sure. Um, Iowa State's got more talent. They'll win the game. Uh, At Texas Tech, Bowman is not going to play in the football game. So that's a win. But homecoming on the 26th of October, folks, I'm telling you, this Oklahoma State, and you're 100% right, Trent, the defense is a massive question mark. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they, if they set the over under, under on this game today, I would tell you to take the over and I don't care what the points are. Cause I know Iowa State can score and I'm pretty sure Oklahoma State will do the same. At Oklahoma's tough. Home to Texas, I give them no chance. No chance. I don't think they're going to be Texas. Come on. No chance. I don't think they're going to be Texas. All right. I'll give them no Texas chance. Team? I'll give them no chance at Oklahoma. I'll give them, I don't think they'll be Texas. Kansas, they'll beat. At K State, maybe the game that determines the eight and four, seven and five. Yeah, very well could. Because K State climate's got this team playing very well. Now, again, I'm basing this solely on what they did in Starkville. And if you notice, Mississippi State bounced back this weekend mm-hmm. and convincingly beat uh, Kentucky in their football game. So, look, I'd like, I think that this Big 12, maybe the, I overreacted to the Kansas beating of Boston College. Because West Virginia marched into Lawrence and beat them. K-State's better. Texas Tech is not. West Virginia is not. Eh, I think 8-4 and four is still the right number. Still the right number, I still yeah. think the, the K-State game is going to determine whether it's a push or whether we should have taken the under. Kansas State. Because I don't think they'll beat Texas. And, and Iowa State fans know all too well about K-State. I mean, oh, think of bugaboo. last year. Last year, everything going right for Iowa State. Everything going wrong for Kansas State. Until they made a play in the fourth quarter, Kansas State was going to win that football game. And win it handily. Right. And made a couple of plays, and they did make plays. So Mm -hmm. you have to credit them for that. But that was a year where everything was going right for the Cyclones, wrong for the Wildcats, and you needed that to happen. Feel good about that? Maybe feel good about that? Win this game and get to Orlando. Make another nice bowl game, nice bowl destination. seems to be the... Or... Lose that one, and you're going Houston. to Houston. Yep, it very well could come down and to that. I think that is that game the day after. It's right around Christmas. The I think they used to get. Okay. Anyway, we're months away from having to speculate. Yes, well, not speculate on that, but find out when the game. But we know you'll be, be looking at all the bull projections that are out there. I do all every, every single week. You I love, love those them. things. I do love them. Absolutely do. Um, 
what else? Uh, the end of the Iowa State game was good for a couple of reasons. There was a whole bunch of guys we'd never seen play before getting an opportunity to blow it as you would expect. So that was good. It was a good win for them going into the going into the Big Twelve. Now think about this Baylor Iowa State game last year. A, we saw something we've never seen, and I hope I'll never see it again in football in college football. The fact that the cops were on the field. Mm-hmm. A, they shouldn't have been because what if a player in the heat of the moment, where he's supposed to be on the playing field, decides that he doesn't want this cop trying to hold him back and pushes him out of the way. Would we have seen charges? Oh, yes. Think of the handshake at the end of the game. Matt Campbell, Mm -hmm. Matt Rule, no love lost between those two. I mean, it was icy, to say the very least. This is a big game this week. I know Baylor didn't look very good against Rice, but can you say this about a lot of teams maybe at the end when they've they've got a – you know, a team that they should beat, and you're looking ahead to conference play already, that you're looking ahead to conference play already? I don't know. Well, remember how bad Rice made Army look in week one? And yeah. I jumped on, oh, this is not the same Army and team. And Army comes out and takes uh, Michigan to overtime. To the brink. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, now Rice, I think, is 0-4 now. But they're a salty 0-4. Maybe the best 0-4 team in the country, Trent Condon? <laughs> is that where you're going? I don't know. Probably. Who knows? How many 0-4 teams are left in the country right now? Oh, yeah, good question. I don't know the answer to that. I don't pay a lot of attention to those uh, (laughs) 0-4 On the bottoms, yeah. It's hard to keep a a close eye on that one. So, nationally, college football, anything else popped Well, the Friday game, I mean, the the Utah-U.S. Yeah, how about uh, about a a quarterback throws nine touchdown passes, (laughs) nine, and loses? In a losing effort. Trent, that was unbelievable. We talk about video game numbers all the time. Yeah. This was the embodiment of video game numbers. So here's what Gordon does. 41 of 61, 570, nine touchdowns, two picks. Also ran for 21 yards. Lose. 67-63. Mm. They were up 32 points late in the third quarter. Did you quarter. watch the end of that game? No, no. I was out at that one. Didn't make it uh, up late for that. No, no, I kind of wish I would have. Just because yeah. it's, you know, one of those, uh, how often are we going to see a 67 after dark, yes, Trent Condon. Yes, but I thought it was over. I, I figured that one was over. Colorado, Arizona State, couldn't get a Pac-12 network. So. But you know what? Good for Colorado for yes. coming back after they got beaten the way they did the week before with Nebraska. The Mich- or they, after the Nebraska win, rather. That Michigan State lost to Arizona State's going to look worse, I think, throughout yeah, the year. Good point. Losing that one in that fashion. Hey, there's another one. Michigan State, where that point spread seemed way too high. Mm-hmm. They just dominated Northwestern. Northwestern's not very good. I don't no. get the Hunter Johnson. How do, how do you get five stars? But uh, a lot of people missing recruiting. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what he's got because Bowser was back in the football game. Mm-hmm. They're running back. Uh, here's one. Not many college football fans know the name Earl. Earl uh, Weaver. Evan Weaver. Oh, Evan, okay. not Earl. Evan. Earl's the manager. Evan is the linebacker for Cal. You ever seen this kid play? Uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago? Who they? Oh, when they beat Washington, Washington. that late night game. Boy, he's a good player, Trent. Yeah. I mean, every time, and I don't spend, I don't claim to see him a lot. But boy, oh boy, and this Cal team's three and zero. I don't know what that four zero now. Are they four zero with a road win at uh, Washington? Washington? He's had that one point uh, win over Washington. That's going to come back to haunt that conference. Oh, it is. Yes, in, um, in a big time way. So, other than that, takeaways: the Georgia Notre Dame game was okay, but again, I saw that third most of the other two that were going on. I know that tight end is it Komet? Kemet K M E T. Boy, he's a load. He's going to be an NFL player. All right, speaking of NFL, what was your takeaway from the NFL this week? 
Well, that it was a good weekend for me betting wise. <laughs> okay. Went two and zero in our our picks that we did on Friday, so felt good about Can that. We just pass that portion of the. Oh, you, you know, don't want to talk about that part? No, that's not. Let's talk about it on Friday. The Colts are good. Kobe, uh, Jacoby Brissett is good. What do he start? 15, 16 out of sixteen. Sixteen out of sixteen. Yes. yes. This Colts team's good. They uh-huh. we know the offensive line and the way they finally built it. Mm-hmm. Too late for Andrew Luck. Coupled with what they have defensively, they made big gains and there. They're in the right conference. They're in the I'm yeah, right division. Right division. There's no doubt. If you're looking for a third team, are they the third team in the AFC? No. After the Chiefs. Oh, in the AF. After the Chiefs and <sighs> Patriots. Are they, if you're looking for a dark horse, are no, they I the one? I think I'd still put Baltimore. You would. By Lamar an, Jackson by was inch. fun, wasn't he? Well, not really. If you have Kansas City, it wasn't fun. Uh, I mean, some of those prayers at the end being yes. answered. Yeah, I think it would be Baltimore, but I okay. think that. But I, I, I do think that Indy's right there. I think with it's them. close. I do. I think it's close. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, the Lions, maybe as we move to the NFC, that Two, was zero and one, still amazing. undefeated. It really is. Uh, the Packers just dismantled the Broncos. No surprise there. The Vikings did likewise with mm-hmm. the Raiders, and the Vikings are running the football. They're Calvin running Cook. the football. And the rookie from Boise State was good, too. He was. Um, Madison, right? Uh, yes. Alexander Madison. Uh, not sure of his first name. If uh, I hope people jumped on when I threw out late in the summer. Dalvin Cook was 15-1 to at William Hill to win the rushing title. Hope people jumped aboard with me on that one. That one's sitting in the back pocket. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling good about Dalvin Cook winning the rushing title. That offensive line still has issues. It's not great by any means. Mm-hmm. And yet they're still running the football like this. NFC is going to be salty. I mean, oh, it is salty already. You go through and you talk about it. Uh, of course, the Cowboys off to a great can I throw, start. Can I throw a little water on you? Cash your fifteen to one ticket. Yeah, and I don't. I don't have the uh, uh, the stand uh, the stats in front of me after three weeks. But Kamara's got to be there, is he not? No, he's not. No. Wow. Because he does it also catching the football more. But what? It, really? Yeah, he's got two eleven on the year. Okay, what's Cook got? Three what? Seventy-five. Is he really okay? Well, he is clear of McCaffrey, who is the second with three eighteen. I'm feeling great. Fifteen to one. Need to get on prop swap. See if I can uh, catch that thing in early. Too early. A little too early on that one. No, the Vikings are running the ball. Mm-hmm. Packers good. Lions at least salty. We'll see. Packers if, defense. Yes. really good. Eagles, as long as they can get healthy, are going to. You don't want that team in. You don't want them slipping in the back door as we even saw last year. And they pulled an upset off against the Bears in the wild card round. On and on and on. You get to the NFC West. I mean, 49ers? Are they good? Mm, that well, was. No. I don't know. 49ers beat a team that didn't have their quarterback. Sure. But a w- this is the NFL. I know. A win is a win. You take it any way possible. Seahawks losing that game. I wasn't surprised by it. The NFC South's going to be a mess. Yep. Right? Might be race to nine is going to win that division, but there are... But Trinity Bridgewater taking that team in there to, yeah. to maybe the toughest place to play in the NFL. A lot of people say that. There are 10 good teams, I would say. In the NFC. In the NFC. 10 of the 16 are good. Yeah, that's Solid crazy. Teams. At this point of the year, that's not crazy. Dillamont's coming up next. Uh, Jeff Hughes will help us preview tonight's Monday Night Tilt, which should be pretty good. Speaking of the NFC, the Bears and the Redskins. I like this matchup uh, for a Monday. There's going to be some Mondays down the uh, uh, down the road. We're thinking, we're talking about what a stinker they've got. How did they get this game? Too bad they couldn't flex. But this is one of those weeks. We'll talk about that with Jeff Hughes, Bama Bob, Trent and I around college football 11, Scott Dockerman, 1125. We're here until noon. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. From all agents.
24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Take you up until noon. Uh, Jeff Hughes, the Bears blog, coming up in about 15 minutes. We'll preview Monday Night Football. The Bears tonight, that's Dylan Montz's team. And Trent Condon's. And oh, by the way, the Vikings, the Lions, and the Packers have all put one in the win column this week. Bears will try to hold serve. Let's get Dylan Montz in here. Dylan, along with the rest of the Iowa State media, will get on an airplane for the first time this year since Dallas and Big 12 Media Days. They're going to have to travel to cover the team. Uh, Dylan joins us. Ames Tribune is where you can read them. Dylan, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Doing well. Ready or not, here comes the Big 12. But let's take a look at this past uh, Saturday before we take a little a brief peek ahead uh, to what lies ahead. I guess the biggest, well, there are a number of them. There was a whole bunch of guys that got to play, which was great to see. And one of those guys was Real Mitchell, who the fan base clearly wants to see more of. Not that they think he's better than Brock Purdy. I haven't heard that ridiculous take as of yet based on you know the limited that we've seen of him. But he was impressive to see. Can they afford to risk him by by putting in a package for him to utilize that athleticism, knowing that Brock Purdy is one hit away from being on the sidelines, and you need your backup QB? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a fine line. I think obviously it was exciting to watch him go in and run the ball as well as he did, and the couple passes that he made were were uh, pretty good, especially the touchdown to Sean Shaw, but. Um, we might have talked about it recently again um, with with the tenuous nature of quarterback play and, and his status, I think, as, as kind of the guy right now, clearly ahead of John Kohler. I think you probably want to preserve that a little bit. But um, that being said, it was valuable to get him in during the game just so you kind of um, maybe know what he does under the lights a little bit and, and can kind of see him work through some things and, and just get his feet wet a little bit. So I, I don't know if you'll necessarily see any special packages. I think even after the game, Real, um, you know, was was pretty aware of, of what his role is, and he's he's like, you know what, I'm going to just try to be the best backup quarterback as possible. If they need me, I'm going to go in. So I don't know if there's as much talk right now of him being in those special packages, but um, yeah, he, he was impressive, no doubt. Got to see a bunch of different running backs. Not a whole lot out of crony, but uh, got to see the two youngsters in there a little bit more, Brees Hall and, of course, Jireel Brock, uh, two guys that I know they're excited about going forward. Just two carries for Kane Nwangu. Is this something just you're playing Louisiana Monroe? You got the big lead, no use. Or, or how do you read this running back room? Is there still feels like four or five guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. I think Kane Nwangu again has shown even in just the the couple uh, carries that he's gotten that he's probably your guy in terms of being able to to really have that quick first step and and hit the line hard and and be able to show show you that burst on the outside. But um, the question, I think, with him, just be, given his uh, injury history and some of the things that hampered him during camp is, can he be your volume guy? Um, because he saw them go to Johnny Lang a little bit more, saw them go to Sheldon Crony. Um, it, but the production, just it, it's not quite the same as it has been with Nwangu in, in his first um, couple carries of each game when he's been able to get out there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's valuable to have a bunch of different guys you can test out, and it was it was good for the freshman to get in there. But I think Nwangu's the guy, and it's just kind of tough to see right now maybe what what his long-term you know role, I guess if you want to call it that, looks like just given 
um, him still working through some health things. Yeah, I think so, too, uh, that uh, he's probably the guy. You know who I was impressed with, and I'd never seen him before, so maybe that's why. Terrell Brock, as you mentioned, came in there. Uh, he, he carried, I don't know, four or five times and looked good doing so. And We'd heard a lot about these two freshman running backs, Brock and Hall, uh, uh, Brock and, Hall and Brees Hall seemed to be ahead of, of Brock as far as, you know, he'd been playing. This is He's played every single one of the games, but Brock comes in. Again, it's at the end, and he's running behind a backup offensive line, and I have no idea what Louisiana Monroe had in there at the time, but he caught my eye, Dylan. Yeah, and Trent could probably speak to this a little bit, too. That kid was a human highlight reel mm-hmm. coming out of Quincy. Uh, he was just, uh, he would bowl through people. Um, he played safety, too, so he's really physical. He can, um, you know, shoot through a gap. It's just, uh, he, he could do a little bit of everything, and um, it, it was valuable for him to get in there as well. Um, I, I think the plan probably, at least right now, is still to keep him below that four-game threshold so he can preserve his redshirt a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I think that they were excited at, at the opportunity to get him in there along with Brees Hall. And, and uh, again, it just the game reps are so different from what you get in practice. And he was playing catch-up a little bit just because he did arrive in the summer, whereas Brees Hall arrived in the – um, in January for spring practices and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think there was any downside to, to being able to do that and just, um, like I said, kick the tires on, on what you got in that room fully. Late in the game, I was uh, listening to the radio call, John Walters with it. How about Hummel making a play there, mm-hmm. a guy that you know, came in, a lot of expectations, people hoping local kids going to do well. Other linebackers overtook him, and they've been incredibly good. But good to see him make a play there late in the football game and get a touchdown to his Iowa State credit. Yeah, he he's a guy that played as a true freshman on special teams, so he's he's always had a role of sorts. But getting on that linebacker in, in that linebacker core, um, having a bigger role has been challenging, just given the the depth that they've been able to create there. But um, I, that, that's the one thing they've always liked about him is his speed. Um, he's really heady with the ball, and it was it was a really good play by him. He he had his head on a swivel, and um, the ball was, uh, you know, it looked like he just had to turn real quick, and then his hands were right there all of a sudden, and he's able to kind of tiptoe down the sideline and, and make a really good play. So, uh, again, just having those opportunities where you can get those backups in and play them, um, you know, for an extended period of time in the fourth quarter is huge, especially once you get the big 12 play, then you can start to maybe trust um, a, a little bit more of what you've got because you're going to need all those guys um, come that time, especially later in the year. You know, we've been, what, six or seven minutes into this piece, and we haven't talked about a kid who was 21 for 27 for 435, threw three touchdown passes, ran for how many scores? Two or three in the football game. First two plays were an interception and a fumble, and then did what he did. Brock Purdy, what a special day he had on Saturday. Yeah, it's it pretty unbelievable. And even... Um, you know, I've gone back and watched the game a little bit, and even his turnovers were, um, you know, they're they're not what you want, but they're not um, egregious. Uh, the the first pick um, looked like miscommunication, and um, you know, Tariq Milton maybe should have come back on the route, and, and Purdy just uh, threw it over him, and, and that was the pick. And then um, on the the fumble, it looked like Kanae Nwangu maybe bumped it, and um, and Purdy dropped it. So uh, yeah, you don't want to have them, but it's uh, they're not you know, quote-unquote stupid mistakes. He's not trying to make too much happen. It's just those are going to happen sometimes. But after that, um, I think that's kind of the thing that people talk about most is his poise and being able to respond from things like that because those were tough situations Then that the defense got in. But um, I thought uh, the game plan, again, was really good for him. He was able to kind of read through his progressions, see everything, 
um, and take advantage of his playmakers like Tariq Miller and Michael Petway or, um, you know, whoever it may be on the outside. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, uh, uh, yeah, an incredible day from him. And um, anytime you're kind of putting in the upper echelon of, um, in the conversation of Seneca Wallace or, you know, first big 12 player in history to do such and such, it's, it's you know, he had a good day. No, no doubt. And his defense, and you'd mentioned it, they, they picked him up after those two plays. Uh, short fields for Louisiana Monroe and were uh, able to hold them out of the end zone, which is uh, r- really, really telling. You know, uh, if Petway doesn't make it on You Got Moss tonight, they're not doing their homework. That was a hell of a play on the sidelines when he goes up and catches that ball. Uh, that has to be a part of it. I know man, not everybody watches uh, Monday Night Countdown, but what he was uh, able to do, climbing the ladder there as he did, uh, that has to make that program, does it not? Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of the kinds of catches that Keen Butler made where you really reach out for it, able to haul it in and then toe tap a, a little bit because we've seen him in space and, um, you know, certainly with touchdown catches, we've been able to see him kind of uh, bowl his way through, but he showed a lot of finesse and athleticism uh, to get his foot down. So uh, really impressive and, and encouraging because, again, uh, a guy like him, uh, a guy like Milton and a guy like Deshante Jones are all kind of emerging mm-hmm. as you guys that you can go out and trust. And that's the biggest thing as you get into Big 12 because – um, you're kind of still sorting through that running back room. Um, having having guys that can go out and make plays like that in space are are, are really key. Yeah, Shaw got a little bit of a payoff after not playing very much. A couple of touchdown catches for him, uh, which was great to see as well. All right, Dylan, we'll get you out of here on this. Your takeaway from the Big 12 as we get set, to, at least for Iowa State, to head into Big 12 play. We know it's underway, but uh, look, Oklahoma State Sanders is an incredible load. My God, he's good. Uh, Oklahoma State, at least offensively. Baylor, I don't know what they, maybe they were looking ahead to Iowa State. They didn't impress over Rice, but uh, conference is good. What do you know about this Baylor matchup coming up on Friday, on Saturday? Yeah, the, it's it's really hard to tell what they are yet just because of the non-conference they've played. Rice has been the best team uh, that they faced, and, and that was a little bit of a, a slugfest. So um, not knowing exactly what they're going to be is going to be interesting, and it's going to be their first real test as well. But I know mm-hmm. Charlie Brewer, a uh, really effective quarterback. He's mobile. Um, and, and that's kind of a thing that's given Iowa State's defense fits at times is guys who can run around um, and, and make plays outside the pocket. So, Well, we um, saw one this job. week. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So doing a good job on him is going to be, um, I think, their focus and then um, kind of keeping up with him offensively and, and seeing if he can continue some of the things he did uh, against Louisiana Monroe is huge. But it, it's, I've had this game circled for a while, and it's, it's going to be a fun one. No doubt about it, and you get to go to Waco, lucky duck. Uh, Dylan Mon, James Tribune, uh, joins us. We'll talk to you on Friday, Dylan. Appreciate it. We'll read you as we always do. Amestrib.com, Amestrib.com. Follow Dylan on Twitter, at Dylan Montz. Talk to you Friday, pal. Sounds great, guys. Thank you. Yeah, good to talk to Dylan Montz on Iowa State's convincing win over Louisiana Monroe. Ready to talk some... Well, that's a trick question. Ready to talk some Bears? Of course you're ready to talk some Bears. Always ready to talk bears, some Bears. Bears, Redskins, conversation next. Miller and Condon till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.org. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Talking sports with you and doing so right until noon hour today. 
Monday Night Football, Bears and the Redskins. Let's get Jeff Hughes in here to Bears blog. The Vikings win, the Packers win, the Lions win, the Bears. Do they need to win to hold serve? Jeff Hughes joins us. Jeff, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Let's stay, Let's start with the uh, uh, the division, first of all. Boy, certainly, at least early in the season, looking like this is potentially going to be uh, the NFL's most competitive division. Good to talk to you, and do you agree with that so far? Yeah, I'd have to say so through uh, through these early weeks. You know, one one of the advantages of the Bears not playing on Sunday is you get a chance to look at all the other teams playing. And uh, the Lions look way better through a couple of games here than I thought they would look. The Packers have done their job. The Vikings have done their job. Uh, I still have questions about all three in the long term. But all September is about in the NFL, and really September and October is about stacking wins. There are no style points early in the year. These teams that are playing well now will not even resemble themselves come December. So if you want to be in the hunt, if you want to be in the playoffs, you've got to put together some wins here early in the season. And then the Bears have to, they absolutely have to hold serve. It's a road performance tonight as they'll go to Washington, the nation's capital, a Redskins team that overall organization the last well, 20 years has been one of the dregs of the NFL. This year's edition, more of the same. It's bad. They can't stop the pass. Mitchell Trubisky has struggled the first two weeks. It's prime time. Feels like it needs to be not just a win, not just a good spot, a huge performance tonight for Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe to cure some of the concerns for Bears fans more than anything. Well, the book on Trubisky now is becoming struggles against good defenses and plays very well against bad defenses. Mm. Well, this is a bad defense yeah. tonight. And they are getting torched on the, on the ground. They are getting torched with the deep ball. And if Mitch Trubisky is going to start showing the signs that the Bears need him to, sh- to, to show, uh, I can't imagine a better opponent to do that against than tonight. Uh, they'll, they'll be calling for Dwayne Haskins here tonight. Mm. I would think relatively early in this game, the Bears' defense should really control things. But this is the kind of game where the Bears need to get 30 points on the board. They need to score 28, 30 points. The quarterback just needs to look confident and play well. That's been the jarring thing through these first couple of games. Not his stats, not, not even the execution of the offense. He just doesn't look comfortable. He looks like he's overwhelmed. And this is exactly how he started last season. Is he going to have a turnaround this year again? Uh, I would think so. But you really can't, as a quarterback, go through the same thing every season. He's got to make progress at some point, or the Bears are going to have to start looking for another quarterback. Yeah, well, they have to start looking for another kicker tonight. What's the latest on Pinheiro, who got hurt in the weight room uh, going into the weekend? Look, he's been great. He's four for four. Uh, I'm not jinxing him. He was clearly, I mean, the the kick against Denver, I don't care if it was in the thin altitude or not. It was clutch. His team needed it. You know what? I'm guessing very few Bears fans were confident when he lined up the kick uh, and and he made it. Uh, What's his status going into tonight? Uh, The belief is that he's going to kick tonight. Um, And I've See no reports sort of contrary to that. He, he what is a kicker doing in the weight room? Let's start. <laughs> Great mean, point. We don't need our kickers to be jacked and, and ready out there. Just 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 go to Soldier Field three four times a week and <laughs> kick in the wind. That's all a kicker should be doing to prepare to kick for this team. Uh, listen, Eddie Pinero's performance in the Denver game. I, I think it not only boosted his own confidence. It seemed to send a spark through the entire locker room. I called it a miracle win. It was a miracle win. And I've been writing all week about this idea of building on that. It felt like a moment that could have t- turned this season in two directions. If they lose that game in Denver, 
I think this thing could drift away from them very quickly. It, now that they've won that game and they have that feeling and they have that energy, that's got to translate now here over the next few weeks in some pivotal games that they have to win. So I, I think Pinero has been something of a revelation. I never expected it. No one was harder on, on the kicker situation than I was. Uh, I just hope it keeps up because he's becoming a real fun story for this year. David Montgomery finally got involved last week against Denver. 18 carries in the game, also targeted three times in the passing game and had a catch. Got to expect that he's going to become more and more heavily involved, but still baffled about that game plan in Game 1 against the Packers. I know it was a lifetime ago. Lisa feels that way, but expectations Montgomery tonight, how heavily he'll be involved. I thought he'd be heavily involved both of our first two games here this season, and he just hasn't been. I, I think Matt Nagy has a sort of old coach mentality, which is to work these guys into the game plan slowly. They shouldn't do that tonight. Montgomery is a 25-carry-a-game horse. There are very few backs like him around. He wants to absorb contact. He wants to punish defenders. He wants to be better with carries 18 to 25 than he is with 1 through 7. And I think until they commit to who he is as a player and get him out there and put the offensive game plan on his back, they will not be utilizing his skills uh, to the best of their abilities. I, I don't think the Bears should be building a team to throw the ball 45 times a game because in December we know in Chicago mm-hmm. that simply doesn't work. Yeah. So they've got the guy. They have to see if he can be the horse we all think he's going to be. And, and I'd be surprised with the way teams are running against Washington. If, if he doesn't get 20 carries tonight, he may not get that all year. So this isn't going to be a game where Anthony Miller all of a sudden comes alive or Taylor Gabriel gets uh, more targets coming his way. At least I think they've, they've looked for Gabriel. I can't say the same about Miller. I'm surprised. I thought he was in his second year really going to take a step forward. But as you mentioned, I mean, other than Allen Robinson and and Cohen out of the backfield on checkdowns, they're really not, uh, they haven't not done a lot of business through the air so far. They just simply look incoherent on offense. Uh, that, that's the only word I can use because I don't see really rhyme or reason to any of the things they've been doing over two weeks. Allen Robinson is a security blanket right now. Mitch is staring him down. He's throwing the ball to him even when he shouldn't, and that's got to change. Uh, Gabriel brings cer- certain unique skills, especially his speed. Uh, they have to be able to exploit that tonight because you can get over the top of this Washington defense very easily. And everyone is surprised by Anthony Miller's exclusion from this offense. He was the guy everyone thought would have the breakout season mm-hmm. in year two. Some nagging injuries from camp may be part of the reason. Uh, his snaps went up week two over week one, but one of these weeks, Miller's going to have that eight-catch, 110-yard, two-touchdown performance. Again, tonight would be a good night for it, but until this offense starts to resemble a pro offense, it's hard to make any predictions. Well, and a piece of that, a big piece, obviously, the offensive woes has been the offensive line. A year ago, I was yelling at you, Jeff. I don't know why they're not playing James Daniels at center. He was terrible in week one against Green Bay and a bit better in week two, but still not great by any means. You know, Long is banged up right now. The tackles are okay, but that offensive line, it felt like they were in good shape coming into the year. They certainly haven't played at the level anticipated. No, they've not been good. They've not been good through two weeks. Now, again, the Packers are a very good defense. The Broncos' front is a lot to deal with. Uh, I think these two matchups have clouded a little bit uh, of what the offense is. Again, that's why this third game against the bad Redskins defense is so important. If the Bears can go out tonight, block it well, run it well, get the ball down the field in the passing game, score some points, I think people will be able to see weeks one and two for what they were. Good defenses that really challenge the young quarterback. That excuse will not be available tomorrow.
Mm-hmm. So if the Bears go out there tonight and score 13 points, even if they win the game, there's going to have to be some, some questions answered at Hallis Hall in the coming weeks about how, how are you going to perform against the Minnesota defense next week mm-hmm. that knows this offense very well. Uh, even the Raiders defense has played okay at times. They're, they're a very sketchy organization anyway. But So, so it, it's, it's right now all about, all about can, can Mitch Trubisky move this offense down the field? And that means the coach has got to be better, the line's got to be better, Montgomery's got to be involved. A lot of things have to change, and uh, here's hoping this is the night for them to change. Mm. Defensively, they've been very good. Uh, Eddie Jackson is uh, is on the verge of, I think, being uh, stardom, and so is Roquan Smith, who that was their first pick last year. And you know, the knock on him is, is you know, they they took the same player last year, Leonard Floyd, blah blah blah. Roquan Smith is uh, both of these kids, Jackson and Smith, both young players, and both on the verge of really being known league wide. Roquan Smith has had a remarkable first two weeks of this season. Uh, I, I gave him off as a bet early in the year. I said to people, just have him lead the league in tackles. I think he's going to probably do it. He's, he gets from sideline to sideline like Erlacher does. His pursuit is terrific. And I think Chuck Pagano is a perfect coach for him because Chuck Pagano takes all those talented guys and says, how can I utilize you to the best of your ability? And a lot of that's going to be with Roquan rushing the passer. And he's got great pursuit. You mentioned Leonard Floyd. I don't want to undersell Leonard Floyd's first two games. He has been the best player on the Bears through two weeks. And what Leonard Floyd can do that is so unique in this league is he can really cover on the outside. And when you have an edge rusher who can also cover, it gives your defensive coordinator so much freedom to be exotic with his blitz packages, to be exotic with his coverages. Uh, Leonard Floyd, I don't know whether you'd call this a contract year or not, he's going to get paid by someone. Uh, And I have a feeling it's going to be right at the end of the season here in Chicago because he has been remarkable. This defense, the Bears are never going to be out of a game that they don't Mm. turn the ball over in. That's how good this defense is. I'd be surprised if they're not top of the league in most categories by the end of the year. Hmm. Uh, Vic Fangio now in Denver. Did he leave a couple of pages out of his defensive playbook uh, behind? <laughs> I mean, Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller don't have a sack. Yeah, Think crazy. about that. It's unbelievable. Hey, Jeff, well, you know, go ahead. Sorry. One thing on Vic, the, the knock on Vic in Chicago was that he does not want to bring extra pressure. So if you attack that game plan and say, I'm going to take those two guys and double-team them, he's not going to bring additional players. So if, if you can take those two guys out of their defense, they're a very ordinary group. Yeah. So I, I've always said about Vic, he's a, he's a great play caller, but he's also an incredibly conservative one. And sometimes when you got the great edge rusher, that's when you get aggressive. Uh, Jeff Hughes, enjoy the game tonight, Jeff. Thank you. Take care, guys. Good to talk to you. TheBearsBlog.com. TheBearsBlog.com for Jeff Hughes. 11 o'clock hour. Bama Bob's going to lead it off. Trent Bama and I will go around college football from a national perspective. We'll do some Hawks with Scott Dockerman. And a lot on the Big Ten overall when he joins about 11.25. We're here until noon. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.